Tough loss tonight for the Pittsburgh Penguins, a 2-1 to overtime loss to the Seattle Kraken. I have a full game recap coming up for you all right after our amazing little intro here that I just, I love playing for you all. So look for the recap coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey everyone, happy Thursday. Welcome to this latest edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. So the Penguins winning streak has come to an end on Thursday night, a two to one overtime loss to the Seattle Kraken, as I said in you know the opening 15 seconds of this episode. And you know, the biggest thing I want to start off with is this. Um, as usual, you know, anytime the Penguins lose, whether it's a long losing streak or something as little as this, as they are 17 and two and one in the last 20 games, you get the awesome people on Penguins Twitter just going crazy, you know, message boards, wherever. And everyone just needs to chill the heck out. You know, I just think some people show their butts, um, that they really haven't seen an 82 game season before. Right now we are in the dog days of the NHL season. It's late January, almost early February. We're a little over halfway through. The Penguins have built a almost 20-point lead on the Detroit Red Wings. We'll be in town on Friday night in the second half of the back-to-back for Pittsburgh. You know, bearing a Mets-level collapse, this is a playoff team. Um, they're tied for first right now. The Rangers lost in regulation with the Penguins getting this point tonight. They're tied with Edmund and Carolina won in overtime. So all three teams right at the top. Carolina has the top spot right now because they have three games in hand on Pittsburgh, but the Penguins still have a game in hand on the Rangers. So that bodes well. And of course, the Penguins are also five points up now on the Capitals and they still have a game in hand on them as well. Washington has actually played more games um, than any of the other teams. So um, with those results, that's fine. You're going to have off nights. Their last 20 games, 40 possible points, the Penguins have gotten 37 of those. I mean, it's just like, it's comical that, you know, people get to just, actually, no, 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 not 30, not 37. Um, excuse me. Um, 30, my math was wrong. They've gotten 35 out of a possible 40 points. I mean, what more do you want from this hockey team? They're playing, you know, they've been a little bit up and down. That's fine to say. But, you know, they're not going to win every night. Tonight, I think the first two periods, they were pretty good. They limited Seattle to nine shots. Um, Bob Grove had this incredible stat um, going into the third period, you know, before um, it all went to crap. Um, This is honestly a great stat. The last time uh, a a team had fewer than 10 shots versus the Penguins after two periods of a game in Pittsburgh was October 21st, 2013 against the Colorado Avalanche. Um, also, the last team to have fewer than 10 shots overall in a regular season game is played versus Pittsburgh. That was not at home. It was home or away. Flyers at Philly on March 19th, 2016. That was a game the Penguins um, won where they were just, you know, lighting up the league like a Christmas tree. So the, the, the formula was there. Seattle didn't have anything going on in the first two periods. It was just, you know, Mike Sullivan said it best. 
We played high-risk hockey in the third period, and it came back to bite us. And that's exactly what happened. You look at the underlying numbers. Seattle had 56% of the shot attempts in that period. You know, they also had, they led in high danger four to one in that period. Um, They led in expected goals for that period. Um, Yes, it was a bit of a dull game, but the Penguins gave that game away, I thought, in the third. You know, Tristan Jari, he was magnificent throughout this entire game, had a huge save on Jordan Eberle where it was like, oh my God, did they just break the Eberle curse because he's just killed the Penguins throughout his career? Right off the next draw, Jeff Carter gets cleaned out. Pedersen is not boxing out Jared McCann because, of course, he scores. Game is tied with less than four minutes left. You, you can't give up a goal in that situation. Again, it's not Tristan Jari's fault, but you know they just they started to play a little too loosely after Malkin's goal. And it came back to bite them. There were a couple other power plays in the in that period that Seattle played well on. They hit a couple of posts, but you know they were close to breaking through well before they tied the game. Um, eventually, you know, I'm not going to subscribe to the notion that the Penguins are having trouble closing out games because they're 17 and two and one in their last 20. They've been able to win these games. I mean, that, that's not a problem. It was just, you know, they struggled. It's whatever. We're in the dog days of the season. I don't really think we have to go any further than that. Um, at least in my opinion, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of numb to the fact with people just, you know, overreacting for the sake of overreacting. This is still a really good team. I know they didn't have it for, I guess, large, I mean, just for the last 20 minutes, Chad Ruedel said it best as well. He thought they only had a 75% effort for this game. The, the numbers would back that up. You go to natural stat trick. Um, it was basically 50, 50 in the first period, the penguins dominated the second period and then Seattle took it to them a little bit. In the third period, the Penguins, though, did lead in scoring chances for 52.6%, but high danger-wise, Seattle had 61.5% of those compared to 38.4% for Pittsburgh. Um, Seattle also led in expected goals for with 527 Pittsburgh only had 47.2%, and they also outscored Pittsburgh 1-0 in high danger. Remember, the Penguins' only goal was courtesy of Evgeny Malkin. If we go to all situations, I mean, pretty close, but Seattle has the edge in shot attempts. Um, Pittsburgh had the edge in uh, scoring chances with 60%. Seattle had the, the edge in high danger chances. And for expected goals, they had the Seattle had the edge as well. So, you know, these kind of losses happen. That's just, that's the reality of the National Hockey League. Look what the Rangers did tonight. It was, what, 2 nothing for a little bit with the Rangers. Columbus comes back to tie it, and then they beat them 5-3 to three in regulation. Columbus, for those that are unaware, they're 21 points back of both New York and Pittsburgh. Sometimes it's not your night. That's what happens. You got to get over it. You know, I thought Tristan was really good tonight. Uh, I'm probably going to get to him a little bit in the second set. We're going to dive into Evgeny Malkin's goal as well. But, you know, this is a loss that I just say, you know what? Who gives a crap? They're clearly in a playoff position. They're tied for first in the division, which uh, seemed like it was never going to happen for this team this year. And they've clawed all the way back and they've gotten points now in 18 of their last 20 games. I mean, that's just, it's ridiculous. The level of hockey that this team is playing, you know, they still have a decent schedule coming up. I know um, they have three more home games before, you know, a nice little break for the all-star weekend. And it's honestly, they have a full bye week with the all-star week as well. So at the end of the day, I'm not really going to fret. Of course, though, Jared McCann has to tie it with four minutes left. You knew that he was going to be, at least one of the goal scorers tonight for Seattle if they they were going to score. I mean, it's his revenge game. 
He was obviously very salty that the Penguins um, dumped him over the offseason. You know, he literally said when the team was in Seattle um, that, you know, it got to him a little bit. He says that they didn't want him anymore. He's taking it personally. And, you know, that's that on that. So, you know, you could definitely tell that that goal meant a lot to him. You know, the celebration was nice. He would just, you know, the overall deflection, um, just, you know, what a job by McCann there. Um, and then, you know, we're going to get to the overtime goal later on in this episode and what went wrong with that as well. So, again, at the end of the day, I'll say it for the third or fourth time this episode. Everything's fine. Chill the hell out. Obviously, the loss is kind of meh. I know people worry that Casey DeSmith is going to start tomorrow against Detroit. I don't think Tristan's going to go back to back. He's already uh, worked his tail off this year. You know, that said, they got a point. They're 21 points up on Columbus. They're 18 points up on the Red Wings. They're the number nine team right now. You win tomorrow night, you're 20 points up. Oh, and by the way, you have games in hand on them. So I I don't really see the need to um, just freak out. Those are my thoughts on that. Um, coming up in the next segment, again, we are going to get to what went wrong with the overtime goal and just the overtime as a whole. We're going to dive into the third period a little bit. And we're also going to touch on Evgeny Malkin's power play goal in house. And that was probably some of the best power play movement that we've seen um, all year. And then a little later on, we're going to do a little preview uh, for the game against Detroit um, on Friday night. Before we do that, though, BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It is a new year, and that means a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. That is BetOnline where the game starts. Now, have you been to an art museum lately? And no, seriously, that's a real question. Heck, there's an even better question for you all. When was the last time you felt welcome in an art museum? It can re- it can really feel like as a hockey fan, you don't belong in the art world, but it's a really the perfect place for us when you think about it. Great hockey fans are passionate. We are all dedicated and we know how to have a good time. Sounds like an artist, right? We just so happen to know that the Mattress Factory, Pittsburgh's own contemporary art installation museum, has partnered with the Penguins to offer an incredible ticket package for this Friday's game against the Detroit Red Wings. They do not, in fact, sell beds. They have full room installations featuring artists from all over the world, including ones from right here in western Pennsylvania. Head over to mattress.org slash gopens to find tickets for Friday, January 28th's game against the Red Wings for just $65. Also, it includes a free entry to the museum, so you get two great nights out for the price of one. This game is expected to sell out, given how soundly the Penguins are beating everyone this season. Well, except tonight, at least. So at least go, still go check them out soon. Pittsburgh has so many incredible museums, and this is one way the Penguins are helping us check them all out. Remember, mattress.org slash gopens for more info. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes, you want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the shows for hello underscore penguins. So let's get to the overtime goal. I'm just the overtime as a whole. Um, I did not really, I, I kind of saw this when they started overtime funky. Um, they were not making this, the best decisions with the puck. And I know three on three is a cluster. Um, that, that's just how it is with the overtime with two less men on the ice. But um, Seattle was playing a lot, a little too much in their defense in their Penguins offensive in the Penguins defensive zone, excuse me. And I'm just like, yeah, usually when that happens, because the Penguins have been pretty good at three on three this year, I know they've had a lot of losses 
I'm in the shootout earlier on in the season, which kind of skews their numbers. But I was just like, okay, this kind of looks weird because their bad play from the third is carried over. And then you have the shift right after Malkin feeds Crosby for the one-timer, which goes um, over the glass. You have, you know, Crosby exited the ice. Um, I think Rust comes on with Malkin and Marino. And right as Wenberg comes in, it's just like, okay, this is not good. Uh, Malkin is literally looking at the boards while Adam Morrison has the puck. Not That was a horrific defensive effort. I don't know what that was. And, you know, I'm not going to you know, sit here and blame Evgeny Malkin for the loss. I, I would look like a complete dumbass if I had to do that. Um, but I really do think the defensive effort from all three of those players there was piss poor. Um, don't know really what John Marino was doing on that. Just was not playing his man at all. Brian Russ looked to be out for lunch. I already dumped on Gino a little bit there. Um, that was just probably one of the worst defensive sequences of the year. Uh, Tristan Jari had no chance on that. He's not going to make every save. W- would have been awesome if he did. Absolutely. I mean, he stood on his head so many times this season. He had made that great save on Jordan Eberle. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, look, players are going to have a great job. It's going to be the goalie. That's exactly what that was. But he was left out to drive with that. I mean, you can't just have a free, you free zone entry for Wenberg. Let him get that pass off when no one is covering Larson and he just rips it top cheese. I mean, that was probably the worst overtime sequence of the year. Luckily, when the playoffs come around, there is no three-on-three overtime. It's all five-on-five. But I just did not like the effort there from any player on the ice. Um, you know, it, it was not just Evgeny Malkin. Like I said, it was Brian Rust and John Marino. Um, I just d- didn't, did not care for that whatsoever. So um, that's basically what went wrong there. Uh, just no one was covering their man, especially, you know, Gino. Marino was not making any good defensive plays with the lone defenseman on the ice. And Brian Rust was just, you know, Looking at the C, um, I guess, don't really, again, just was ridiculous there. Um, now, in terms of the third period overall, um, I, I, as Mike Sullivan said, it definitely turned into more high risk. Seattle had a few more odd man rushes that I would have liked to see. Um, obviously, I would have liked to see them, you know, keep limiting Seattle's chances. And Seattle's not a good team, let's be real here. They're probably going to sell a little bit by the deadline. But you know, they just they tried to open up the game a little too much. Pittsburgh, that is, of course. And finally, it came back to bite them. And it's like, you know, you gotta play that sound defensive hockey that you were playing in the first two periods. You know, you got the lead with, you know, what, 10, nine minutes up, something like that. You gotta close the door there. I know it's a little annoying to yell at the tying goal with four minutes left. Hell, they were also lucky they even got to overtime because Seattle kept pushing those final four minutes. I know Carter had a really nice chance with about um, minute and a half left, if I'm not mistaken. But then Seattle came back the other way, had two or three great chances. I was surprised he did not go in. Tristan Jari had a couple of monstrous saves for this team, and they were able to get at least a point out of this game. Um, just not a good period in the slightest. Again, you know, Sullivan nailed it after the game by saying, you know, he liked the effort um, for the first two periods. But, you know, as he said here, um, I thought we were playing the right way. In the third period, we beat ourselves. We turned into a high-risk hockey team, and we got exposed for it. So he hits the nail on the head, as always. I'm sure he's going to drill that into them coming into their game against Detroit on Friday night. These This kind of stuff happens. Um, as for the power play goal, great to see Evgeny Malkin get another goal this season. I believe that's four for him now, and he's barely even played 10 games. He's averaging a point per game. He's been great. I mean, you know, he's he's starting to get more of his legs back as well. Um, what a rip by Gino on that uh, during that sequence. Um, he just wrested that thing past Philip Grubauer. Also, of course, 
a goalie who has stunk this year, um, comes in, stands on his head against the Penguins. Where have I heard that before? Oh, almost like every freaking time a bad goalie is playing bad, he comes into Pittsburgh and he stands on his head. It's 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 poetry, um, I, th- I think, at this point. But again, going back to Gino's goal for just a sec, you know, just great puck moving. You know, um, Sid and Latang's passes were just mint. Um, Brian Russ was making some sweet passes as well. Just the overall puck movement from all five of the players was top notch. That was probably some of the best puck movement I've seen them have on the power play this year. And then Gino was able to finish it off with a nice little bomb from the middle point, a little further in. Um, just what a wrist shot that was from him. And, you know, I really liked his game. Again, though, didn't really like his game on that goal in the overtime, but I- I'm not going to kill him for it. I- I've seen too many people just irrationally hate on the guy for no reason. Don't really understand that at all. Um, had a nice goal. The celebration was really good. Um, overall, though, I don't really have much else to say about this game just because their first two periods were so freaking boring. I mean, you could have... I, I I would rather have almost watched my water boil for pasta or watch my paint dry than watch a Dave Haxtell coach team um, just for those first 40 minutes. It was just horrendous hockey. They were trapping a little bit, but they also weren't getting any scoring chances. Credit to the Penguins with that for limiting them, again, to nine shots on goal um, for those two periods. Heck, I mean, even high danger-wise, um, Seattle only had four high danger chances through the first 40 minutes. They had none in the second period. That just goes to show how well the Penguins were playing defensively. And then they had four in the third uh, the third period, and then, of course, the one in overtime. Um, is the game winner from Adam Larson. But yeah, you can just, I've said it so many times, you can see where the game went away from the Penguins and, you know, they pay the price for it. But so they're in tied for first place. Never thought I would see the day. They have the tiebreaker of the Rangers because they have the um, game in hand. But Carolina has three games in hand and they won in overtime tonight. So that's why um, they are above Pittsburgh right now. So coming up in this third segment, we're going to do a little bit of a preview uh, for the game against Detroit on Friday, going to you know what their lines will look like and stuff, and just some of the underlying numbers for Detroit this year. So stick around for that coming up here um, in the next segment. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So big game tomorrow. Against Detroit, this will be the first time the Penguins have played them this year. Their underlying numbers are not that good. Um, they only have 47% of the, expect, the expected goals, 46.5% of the actual goals. That Those are some of the worst numbers in the league. They also have uh, 46% of the shot attempts at 5v5. That is not good either. They have a minus 12 goal differential. Um, that is also pretty horrendous. Um, their shooting percentage is 8.1%. I mean, that's just that's kind of meh, um, I think, at least in my opinion. Um, Goaltending-wise, save percentage on shots on goal, 918. That's pretty decent. You know, Nedeljkovic, I think, has been pretty good this year. If I go to the goalies here um, real quick after a couple more numbers, 2.25 goals for per 60, um, 2.59 goals against per 60, so not good in that regard. Um, but, they, you know, they're, they're just not a team that scores a lot. And, you know, they, they don't have as much high-end talent as some other teams. Um, yeah, and Nedeljkovic has been good this year. He saved 6.9 goals saved above expected. Very nice number, by the way. Um, overall save percentage, 912, 2.89 goals against average. Save percentage on unblocked shots, 950s. And you know, the Penguins will definitely see him on Friday. So, you know, he's been good. You know, I still 
don't understand why um, the Hurricanes traded him, but you know they've also gotten great goaltending from Werder Anderson this year. So I don't really think they care too much. Uh, you know, I said it last night a little bit going over their lineup. You know, um, Raymond has been off to a hell of a start this season. Um, Sider is going to be a great defenseman for years to come. This team has a lot of young talent in their lineup. And, you know, and credit to Steve Eiserman for having the team be better than I think a lot of people thought they would. The fact that they're in the ninth spot halfway through the year is nothing short of incredible because, you know, there's not a, a lot of like high end talent on this team. I mean, you know, Dylan Larkin, he's been good. And I already talked about Raymond, Tyler Bertuzzi, he's been good, 20 goal season. Pius Suter, they got him as a steal. Robbie Fabry, Nemestikov. I mean, those players as a top six, it's not terrible, but it's not playoff worthy. They still need another piece or two to really contend, I think, for a playoff spot. Adam Ernie, Phillips, and Dina. I think Zadina is probably going to be traded at some point. I think Elliot Freeman was talking about in his 32 thoughts that it sounds like they are maybe going for a fresh start with him. He's been really struggling this year. Sam Gagne, um, he's on the fourth line. I almost forgot that he's in the league. Um, at this point, but you know, Nick Letty, Mark Stahl's on their defense. I mean, they're just, they're not good. Philip Heronik. I mean, he, he's kind of mad, but you know, I really like what Steve Eiserman has been doing with that team. This should be a game of the Penguins win though with Casey to Smith. I think anything is possible at this point. I would hundred percent expect it to start. I do not think the Penguins are going to start Tristan Jari in this game and nor should they. I mean, they, they need to give him a rest. I know that means that De Smith starts, but you know what? Everyone, they have no choice. They haven't traded for a goal yet. You know, the trade market has really not gotten going overall league-wide. That's just how it is right now. The pay, I don't think Ron Hextall is going to be the guy that gets it going. Just my opinion. But, you know, I think they're going to do this at some point. Um, and for the folks freaking out about Casey Smith, you know, he's not going to be starting in the playoffs. So it's going to be Tristan's net. So I don't really you know mind that at this point. One other thing, I did see this from Josh Yoey in his article from The Athletic that the Penguins, they've started contract extension talks with Latang and Malkin, but it looks like that, you know, Latang wants a raise. My overall thoughts on that, you know, good on him. He deserves it. I mean, four times eight is probably what we're looking at as a starting point. I don't know if he would want five years. I would probably do that too. Though I understand why people would be upset about that just because how will he look five years down the line, right? He's 34 years old right now. How is he going to play um, when he's 38, 39, 40? We, we don't know. Um, his level of play right now is continuing to be better. I thought it was great tonight against Seattle. But, you know, it's all really going to be up to Ron what he thinks he's worth. That said, again, I would do four times eight and not look back. You have to keep him, Sid, and Gino together. If you are dead set on competing for a Stanley Cup, especially the next two years with Jeff Carter, um, with that extension, you have to do everything you can to bring him and Kenny Malkin back. And you know what? If that means losing Brian Rust, so be it. I love Brian Rust. Love what he's brought to this team. It's one of their best playoff performers, but you know what? Penguins are not going to be the team that gives him five times six. It's just that's not happening. Sorry. I hate to burst everyone's bubble that is listening to this podcast right now, but they are not going to give him five times six. And if I am wrong, um, I don't know. I'll eat a hat on 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 the camera. I I I, I don't think I'm going to be wrong, but I I, I guess I, I would be stunned if that happened. Captain's probably going to walk. Block figure out what they're going to do with Jason Zogger, maybe a couple other contracts. They have to sign a Tang no matter what. 
You don't have an in-house replacement for him. It's definitely not John Marino. It ain't Brian Dumoulin either, and it's not Mike Matheson. And you're not going to sign someone outside the organization that is going to bring what he brings to this team on a nightly basis. That's the reality of the situation, at least for me. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening to this one. We'll be back on Friday evening with another full game recap episode for the Penguins game against the Red Wings. And I'll talk to you all then. Hope you all have a great rest of your evening. And if you're listening to this on Friday morning, Friday afternoon, I'll talk to you in a few hours.